His heart was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I am clean. The cross he carried bore my burden. Set me free, his life for mine, his life for mine. How could it ever be that he would die, God's Son would die, to Good evening. We're grateful you're here with us tonight for this Good Friday service. We do pray that it'll be a special time of worship 
in our Savior through music, through teaching, and through sharing in the Lord's Supper tonight together. Our time of music together, uh, Darren and Natalie have provided several songs for us to sing along with, as well as Gwen has recorded a special offering for us. We pray this will be a blessed time for you, and really, not just tonight's service, but through the entire Easter weekend. May the Lord bless you. Good evening, and welcome to Grace Bible Church Good Friday Services. We trust that the service has already been a blessing to you. We pray that the music that Darren and Natalie prepared to be sung congregationally has been a blessing. And then also, um, just the unique blessing, the, the different of having a soloist. And so appreciate my wife being willing to record and sing. And so I trust that those things were a blessing to you. And as has been mentioned throughout this time together this evening, um, this is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and his crucifixion, his atonement for our sins. And so I just want to share with you a little bit about um, Good Friday and uh, what it is meant to represent. Good Friday is is a time that's been set aside during the Easter season to reflect on the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the crucifixion of Christ is really the pinnacle of all of Christ's sacrifices. Uh, Christ Jesus didn't just sacrifice in the crucifixion, but really his whole life was a sacrifice. Everything that Christ did was a sacrifice uh, for us. It was uh, him giving up and, and us receiving. And uh, everything that Christ Jesus sacrificed, we have become a beneficiary of. In other words... When Christ sacrifices things that, are, um, that were his blessing, that were his right, if you will, in eternity, we gain those things. We are, those who trust in Christ are recipients, are, are, we are blessed by those things. And so I want to just spend some time with you. Again, the pinnacle, obviously, of Christ's suffering and sacrifice is the cross, but I'd like to take some time and, and look at the, the, um, the whole nature, the, the entire sacrifice of Christ from, from the beginning to the end, and just to get a, a good grasp on it. So with that being said, um, to start with, I just want to reflect on the reason for Good Friday. Why did Jesus Christ uh, go through the things that he went through and we, we find the answer in Isaiah 53, so if you want to turn there with me, you can, you can do so. And Isaiah 53 gives us, an, it's an Old Testament description of the purposes behind Christ Jesus and his suffering and his sacrifice and obviously his crucifixion. In verse number four, the Bible says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that bought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the, to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and asked for his, asked for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they make his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When he makes his, when he makes his soul an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. We see in this passage of Scripture and in other passages of Scripture as well, the purpose of the uh, sacrifice of Christ, the purpose of the crucifixion of Christ, is the fact that humanity is sinful, that we are all sinful according to Romans 3.23 and fall short of the glory of God. And... There needed to be a sacrifice, there needed to be a substitute to pay for our sins so that we might be accepted by God. We we might be brought into his favor. We might be brought into his care. We might be restored to him. Asking the question, why the crucifixion, is in many ways like asking the question, why the Passover lamb? In Exodus chapter number 12, this is the story of the Passover lamb. And the Bible says that the Lord came to all the people of Israel and told them that the death angel was going to pass over the houses. And those who had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and mantel of their house, that the death angel would pass over them. And those who did not have the blood on the doorpost and mantel, the death angel was going to kill the firstborn in every household. And so it was necessary for that uh, lamb to be slain in order to cause that death angel to pass over. It was utterly necessary for the salvation of the people of God that they put, that they sacrifice that lamb and that they place the blood on the doorpost and mantle. The same principle is true about Christ and his crucifixion. It is utterly important and necessary that Christ Jesus die on the cross for the sins of his people so that his people can be restored back to him. And this is the climax of Christ's sacrificial work. But it's not everything. It's not the, the total of Christ's sacrificial work. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, that, for, that you by his poverty might become rich. So the crucifixion being the pinnacle is not everything. There is much more to it. Christ Jesus made many other sacrifices leading to the crucifixion that are also important in our understanding of all of the things that he gave up so that he might purchase a people for himself that he might purchase you and he might purchase me for himself and for salvation. Not only is Christ's sacrifice in his life and in his crucifixion meant to to bring us redemption, 
But for those of you who are listening um, virtually to this sermon and are believers, what we also know is that Christ's suffering and sacrifice was meant to give us an example. It was meant to show us how that we ought to live our lives, how that we ought to live sacrificially, how that we ought to be giving and, and blessing others. He says in 1 Peter 2.21, For to this you have been called, referring to suffering, for to suffering you have been called, because Christ Jesus also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Christ's sacrifice and suffering wasn't just meant to redeem a people for himself, although it was, it was also meant to give us an example of how we should live our lives. And on Good Friday, let us not just remember what Christ did for us, but let us also remember what Christ called us to, what he desires from us, and what he wants to work through us. So I want to just give you a few thoughts this evening, then I'm going to read the narrative out of Matthew about the crucifixion, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together and be done. Just a few things that begin the process of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for his people. The first thing that we notice is that he left heaven. I know this is something that we don't often think of when we think of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but if you could just stop for a moment and imagine what heaven was like for Jesus a place of perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There was no fighting. There was no war. There was no conflict. There was no sickness. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was only riches and wealth and community and communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There was this perfect place where there is no faults and there is no failures. There is no um, imperfections. Jesus Christ is in heaven for eternity before this day comes uh, when Jesus Christ came into this world in his incarnation. Jesus Christ was in a perfect place, in perfect harmony with, with, his, with, his, with, with his friends, if you will, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, those whom he had enjoyed fellowship with for eternity. When you think about those things, you wonder why would he... Why would he leave heaven? Why would he, why would he forsake all of that? It's interesting, as I was writing this, um, this week, I was thinking of heaven is the one place that all of us strive to go, right? We all look forward to the streets of gold, and we all look forward to peace and harmony, and we all look forward to to community. We look forward to all of the promises of heaven. There's no tears in heaven. There's no, there's no, uh, it's full of joy and there's no sickness and there's no pain and suffering. And we're all looking forward to that. And we're all excited about that. And we're striving to get there. Does it make much sense that Jesus Christ would want to leave there? This is the most amazing sacrifice or one of the great sacrifices that Jesus Christ did in his coming to this earth is he left perfection to come to a place that was imperfect. He left a place that had no problems to come to a place that was full of problems. Not only did he leave heaven, but the second part of his sacrifice is that he was born and lived with little means. Not only did Christ leave heaven to come to this earth, but he didn't come to a place that was uh, where he could maybe be born in a significant role 
or maybe be born with a significant amount of money or be born with significant parents or be born in a significant situation. But, but if you study the birth of Jesus Christ, it was a, a lowly birth. It was an insignificant birth. It was a, from all earthly perspectives, Jesus Christ was one to be despised. And, and we see that by the attitude of many during that time. He was born in a manger. He was born in a stable. He, he, he was seen as one who had nothing. As a matter of fact, much of Jesus Christ's life and even ministry was, was sponsored by and, and his needs were cared for by people who followed with him. He not only left heaven, the riches of heaven, but he came to a, a very um, insignificant life on this earth. Uh, what, we, what we would honestly call a poor life. Jesus Christ lived with poor people, and he, he ministered to them. So he was born, he left heaven, he was born and lived with little means. The third thing is, he became friends with 12 common men. I thought of that, I was, I was actually walking this week and, and thinking, and it, I just, it just hit me, um, like, God, God, God the Son... In, in the flesh, became friends with 12 absolutely distasteful men. I mean, if you want to talk about, like, you talk about Peter, and you talk about the different disciples, and these guys were, were just, they were common as common can be. The Bible even says Judas was, was called the devil. And Jesus Christ condescends down to earth, not just to dwell amongst us, but but to, to commune with us. And he communes with these 12 men. He becomes their friend. This was such a comfort to my heart when I was thinking about it because it, it makes sense um, why Jesus would be my friend. It makes sense why Jesus would be our friend, that he came to be our friend. He came to be our Savior. And this was an ultimate sacrifice. This was an utter sacrifice. This was a condescension among, uh, above all other condescensions. The perfect becomes friends with the defiled. The clean becomes friends with the unclean. The sinless becomes a friend of sinners. Oh, such amazing condescension and sacrifice that Christ made for us. The Bible goes on to say that he was rejected by his own people. Uh, John 1, the Bible says, he came unto his own, but his own refused him. So he leaves heaven where there's ultimate acceptance. He comes to earth where he is rejected by his own, um, by his own people, by the Jewish people. He is ridiculed. He is mocked. He is spit upon. He is lied about. He is laughed at. He is maligned. He is criticized. He is falsely accused. If you can imagine all of the negative things that could possibly happen to you in life from an emotional perspective, not physical at this point, but from an emotional perspective, everything that we would want to rise up and defend ourselves about, Jesus Christ refused to do so because he knew that it was a part of the process of his suffering that he was called to so that he might save you from your sins and establish for you an example of how you ought to live. 
In all of that, he never defended himself. The Bible says, as we read it in Isaiah 53, and also in um, the New Testament, Peter writes about this as well, that he didn't open his mouth, he didn't defend himself, he didn't argue or debate, or he just accepted God's purposes. He was beaten. The Bible teaches us that he had his beard torn from his face by the soldiers, that he was crowned with thorns, that those thorns were placed upon his head in the form of a crown. The crown was intertwined together. Those thorns were placed on his head, and then the soldiers would take a reed, and they would beat him upon the head upon those thorns, and those thorns would pierce, pierce his, his brow and into his skull. He was whipped. The Bible says he was beaten. Or the word used in the, in the uh, English Standard Version is he was scourged. And this was a, a whip, a type of whip called the cat of nine tails. It was a whip that had nine different leather straps attached to it. And on the end of each strap was, the, was some form of, sh of sharp object. And they would literally whip a man with that object and they would... They would they would tear the skin off of his body. That's why the Bible talks about his bones looked upon him. His, his flesh had been torn in such a way that he could, he could view his own, his own bones. It was a gruesome suffering. Many historians have said in studying the crucifixion of Christ, they have said that for most, the pre for most common men, the pre-crucifixion of Christ would have led to their death. They would have never made it to the cross. But we know that Jesus Christ's purpose was to go to the cross. And so he endured that. He was beaten, then he was crucified. The Bible tells us that his wrists and his feet were pierced through with stakes, securing him to the cross. On the cross, there would be a, a, a type of a slanted seat and the person being crucified would be on that seat, but it would be slanted enough that they could not hold themselves there. So they would use all of their arm strength to hold themselves on this slanted seat, but the moment that they slipped off of the seat, it would, it would collapse their lungs to where that they would be suffocating. So they would then use their feet, the strength of their feet and in, in the nails in their feet, and they would push up. They would push themselves up back onto that seat. And, and in both cases, in one case, you're feeling the, the excruciating pain of the hands trying to hold yourself up on that seat. And in another case, you are... You are feeling the excruciating pain in your feet as, you, as Christ Jesus pushes himself up back onto that seat. This type of crucifixion was made in such a way to be excruciating to the one who was being crucified. Matter of fact, they would allow them to hang there for, for long periods of time and to suffer. And then if they hung there for too long of a time, they would come around and they would break their legs and they would break their legs for the purpose of not being able to push themselves back up. And then their lungs would collapse when they fell off of that seat and they would, they would ultimately suffocate. So Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross on that stool. And he would hold himself up and push himself up and hold himself up and push himself up and feel the pain and the excruciating torment of those moments, of, those, of, those, uh, of that pressure on his hands and his feet. And he did that for us, that he might redeem us. 
and that he might give us an example of how we could, we also can suffer or should suffer. The Bible says at the end he was pierced through his side and that was just a sign. The soldier pierced him in his side as a sign that he was dead. And blood, and the Bible says blood and water came out, which was a picture of, uh, was a confirmation that Jesus Christ was, was truly dead. But all of that, we, we, celeb- we, we, we remember, I don't even want to use the word celebrate, but we remember this day what Christ Jesus did for us. His, his life was, was from, from day one to 33 and a half years later, Jesus Christ was a sacrifice. It was all about redeeming a people for himself. It was all about living um, for the redemption of mankind, to, to redeem all those who would place their faith and trust in him. This is why he did all of this for us. I'm going to turn in my Bible. If you, if you would like to join me, you would be welcome to in the book of Matthew. I want to just read the narrative to you, Matthew chapter 27. The Bible tells us, beginning in verse 24, Matthew 27, verse 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and he washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, or beat him with with that whip, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before them. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and they struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry the cross. When they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he had tasted it, he would not drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots, Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put a charge against him which said, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of the Jews. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. 
Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lamestabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, The man is calling for Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up the spirit. And behold, a certain in the temple was, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake, What took place? They were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. We remember this story, this event on this Good Friday. And as we take the Lord's Supper together, and I invite you now to turn to 1 Corinthians 11. As we take the Lord's Supper together, I just want to encourage you to to think about what Jesus Christ did to purchase you for himself. And not just to purchase you for himself, but to leave an example for you as to this world is not going to get better and Christians are going to suffer, but we have an example um, before us of how we should suffer. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, For I received, in verse 23, from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And then just pray. Let me just pray over the elements here, if you would bow with me. Father, we do thank you for this bread that represents the breaking of your body, the, the suffering that you experienced on our behalf the things and the sacrifices that you made so that we might have eternal life, that we might experience your life and and have a home with you forever. Thank you for the bread that represents that and the cup as well that is a seal, um, represents the new covenant and its seal that by the blood of Jesus Christ, the covenant of grace has been sealed. Please bless these elements, Lord. May we receive them in faith, knowing, dear God, what they represent and honoring you by receiving them in Jesus Christ's name. The Bible says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The scripture goes on to say, this cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Scripture closes here with, for as oft as you drink this bread, for as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Our prayer this evening is that we will be mindful today of what the Lord has done, that it will bring us into a, a solemn state of remembering, of remembrance, and that will make Sunday so sweet as we talk about on Sunday his resurrection and his victory. Thank you so much for joining us for this time together. We pray the Lord's blessing and graces will be with you during this season, and we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning at 930 for worship as well. God bless you.